yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene told college girls that if they accidentally get pregnant and those frat boys, those frat boys will love them more, actually love them more if they accidentally get pregnant. And if they have the baby, having the baby will help them finish college. And speaking of the devil, we must pause here for a word from our sponsor. Darlings, are you having trouble finishing college? Are you wishing for those handsome fraternity boys to give you a text? Are you sitting at home night after night in your sorority house yearning for that Sigma Chi to send you a booty call? Well, honey, just a dab, a little splash of Marjorie Taylor Green perfume behind your shapely ears, and those frat boys will cover your hands in ruby engagement rings. Not only that, if you bathe in Marjorie Taylor Green perfume every evening, guess what happens within two semesters? You will be clapping that mortarboard on your head and graduating summa cum laude. And P.S. You're wondering what is the top note of old Margie's perfume? Well, I have researched it. And I have discovered the secret ingredient of Marjorie Taylor Greene's perfume. It's the spit up from a little baby's burp. And what is the bottom note of Marjorie Taylor Greene's perfume? Well, I've also discovered that secret, unfortunately. The bottom note is the poop gathered from the adult diaper of Justice Clarence Thomas. I mean, really, why should Margie be the only one smelling like a total asshole? Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, darling, ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Oh, hello, 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 hello. Taylor Swift gave the commencement address to the graduating class of NYU this morning in Yankee Stadium. It was, she looked fabulous. It was brilliant. Uh, She's the most famous woman of her generation, of course. And she received an honorary doctorate. And this is a part of what she said. She said, as a kid, I always thought I would go away to college, uh, imagining the posters I'd hang on the wall in my freshman dorm. I'd even set uh, the ending. I even set the ending of my music video for my song Love Story at my fantasy imaginary college where I meet a male model reading a book on the grass with one single glance. We realize we have been in love in our past lives, which is exactly what all you guys experienced at some point in the last four years, right? So you can see she was absolutely adorable. What else was in college news this week? Well, the New York Times ran a big op-ed on Sunday titled, College Students Are Not Okay. This it was three pages, three in the New York, three pages. It told us frantic, frantic stories about how students were sleeping in class and not turning in their assignments and, God forbid, cutting classes and not speaking up in discussion and failing exams. I was thinking, damn. Has the New York Times ever been to college? I once donned a pair of sunglasses and a trench coat. And Nancy Kessler and I crashed Professor Sven Grenning's political class uh, in the big Ballantine 
lecture auditorium. Well, it was 250 students. Guess what I had on under my trench coat? A bright, <laughs> a bright yellow bikini. And Nancy had on a red bikini, if I remember. And we walked into that class, strutted across the front of the auditorium in front of uh, Professor Grenning's lectern, flashed him repeatedly and subjected that poor man <laughs> to a nervous strain unparalleled in the halls of Academe uh, right up until Harold Bloom. You all remember Harold Bloom, the great Yale professor, you know, the arbiter of all religion, all literature. You know, if Harold Bloom said, read it, we all read it. Well, one night he placed his hand on the uh, on the inner thigh of uh, Naomi Wolf, uh, the one-time brilliant and dazzling writer, and she wrote an essay about it. Um, and that was the last time... Um, you know, any uh, nervous strain was ever had by any academic. And I have no idea what happened to Naomi Wolf. That beautiful, charming, uh, dazzling woman has somehow, well, you know, she was thrown off of Twitter. And the last I saw of Naomi Wolf, who I used to just admire so much for her brilliant essays, um, I saw a screenshot of She's now on Parler or Telegram or one of uh, Donald Trump's uh, social medias. And she was blasting out how uh, Pfizer, uh, the vaccine Pfizer, killed all white blood cells. So that's what happened to Naomi. And if anybody knows what else happened to Naomi, would you send me a text? Because I would really like to know it. Anyway, what? So we're going to be talking about... <laughs> Uh, college boffing today. And uh, this is a call-in show. And I would love to hear your, I'd love to hear your college boffing stories. Uh, we have a rather uh, uh, intriguing one today, which involves about 20 colleges. Uh, it's how I achieved my BA in collegiate boffing. And how I did that, which is pretty amazing, because I was a I was a campus double cherry. That means I arrived at Indiana University a total virgin, and I graduated from Indiana University a total virgin. And so, where did I get my BA in boffing? Well, it started, uh, my BA started when I started the Ask Eugene column and I started receiving letters from college kids asking me about sex. Well, not really asking me. Uh, they were complaining, complaining about sex. Oh my God. I, I would get stacks of Ask Eugene, uh, questions from college kids. And, um, about 16 or 17 years after reading you know, these hundreds of letters from college kids complaining about sex, I thought, uh, I know, I'll write a book about college sex, and then we'll help all these kids who don't know how to how to have sex, and it'll be great, it'll be brilliant, that'll be fine. So I called up my friend, David Hershey. Hi, David, if you're listening. Um, uh, David Hershey was vice president of HarperCollins, and I said, David, Let's do a college sex book. There are no college sex books. And up until this time, I don't think there had been any. And Hershey said, oh, this is great. And he said, well, where's your uh, data? I said, well, no, uh, data. I got Ask Eugene letters here. Ask Eugene letters. Look at this. Look at this. Um, here's one about anal sex. And, what, you know, and he was, well, you know, that was nice. But he wanted to see some real data besides this stack of Ask Eugene letters. So. At the time, I noticed on Facebook, and you're all going to remember this. Remember my purity test on Facebook? It swept Facebook. It was like the biggest thing on Facebook uh, ever. It was the number one app on Facebook, the number one game on Facebook, the number one everything on Facebook for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So I looked at this. I wanted to see who created my purity test, and it's this kid at Stanford, 
by the name of Kenneth Shaw, who was also president of his class. So I get a hold of him. And I say, Mr. President, um, you know, congratulations on creating my purity test. Can you do, I'd like to do a college survey on sex. Uh, can we do that? And um, Kenneth said, yes, there's a dog barking. I'm going to have to let the dog in. Kenneth said, yes, he could. He, he and his friend, Mickey, they could, they could build this. They could build a sex survey. But none of us uh, were stupid enough to think you just put up questions about sex on it. Facebook. First of all, everybody will lie. And the people aren't lying, they're exaggerating. So what Kenneth and Mickey and I and a writer named Jilligano, and she's coming on in a minute to explain. Um, I'm just noticing her here, but pretty soon she's going to take this thing over. Um, we created um, something called the Fook Book. We created a game. So and it had 15 levels. And it was based on the movie Cruel and Tax Tensions. And in order to get to the top and to win the game, you had to answer 15 questions. And the questions were so written and so formed that we would double back and make sure we asked the same question in three or four different ways. And it turned out to be the largest sex survey in college, college sex survey in history. In history, nobody's come close to the amount of da uh, data that we got. And the data, oh my, I don't know. Did you eat? Is anybody eating? Because uh, <laughs> I'm going to read a few. I've got some computer printouts here. Hang on. Let me put on my glasses. Uh, I'm going to just read a, a page of printout here. Yes, yes, Jeff, we hear you playing over there. Um, one of the questions we ask it three different ways and this was uh this was answered by straight students gay students bi students trans students and every kind of student uh mostly ages 18 to about 21 um we knew their schools we knew their ages uh there were some kids from britain from great britain who came in there at the end um but it is a it, it was an an Incredible group. So, okay. So here are some of the answers to worse sex. I was stupid drunk. This is quote. I was stupid drunk that night and a friend introduced me to one of his best friends. And five minutes later, we were sucking necks. 30 minutes later, we were outside behind a building to fook each other's brains out. I'm not sure if it was the alcohol alcohol or the bewildered feeling one gets when they begin to sober up and they and we were about to bump uglies and a and I and she was a complete uh wait a minute they don't say he or she with a complete stranger in a in the cold behind a pep boys building and oh and he just couldn't find the hole and I couldn't stay on my feet. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Mine was a beautiful 20-year-old model. Ah, this is like a Taylor Swift thing. 20-year-old 20, 20 model. He was exquisite. But before I could get his pants off, he had ejaculated and was in tears. Oh, oh. and apologizing. And it was sad and <laughs> and very disturbing. All right. His dick was so tiny, I couldn't feel a thing. But he was on top of me and going away like a hare. And I had to fake moans and <laughs> orgasms, bite my lips to mock ecstasy, beg him to come so that I could stop pretending and get him off me because his pelvic bone was jutting into my pelvis. I was bruised. Oh my God, I was bruised for days and I ought to receive an Oscar <laughs> for that performance. So that, okay. Now, as you can see, or as you can hear, uh, this sex survey, the data was incredible. But as we all know, when we're in college, um, 
it doesn't matter how much data you have when you're in college, college kids are transmogrifying themselves every day. Uh, students can start the game being one person and can end this game being another that, you know, the whole point of college is to pursue yourself. Uh, and you're coming of age in college. And I wanted to write a book and, you know, this, this data, although it was massive, massive page after page of data, um, we know what the main thing that women hate about men. Uh, did you know, know what it is? It's a small penis. And we know the number one thing that men hate about women. You know what it is? You know what they actually uh, said? They admitted uh, female odor. So, okay. So we had all that data, but it wasn't, uh, these people were changing by the hour and, uh, uh, I needed to meet him. So that's where Jilly comes in. And let me see. I have to invite Jilly to speak. Hang on. How do I do that? I go up here to the three dots. Hang on. Hang on. Invite Jilly to speak. Hang on. Jilly, can you, hey, Jilly, can you raise your hand? Uh, yes, it was bigger than that. Oh, there's Jilly. Okay. Uh, and now I'm going to hit. One caller, Jilly. Uh, yeah. Oh, make next caller. Make next caller. I made you the next caller. Okay. Jilly, can you, um, I, can you unmute yourself, Jilly? Jilly, I think you have to unmute yourself. There. Hey, Jilly. Did that work? <laughs> Jilly. First time using the app. Sorry. I'm figuring it out too. I'm so happy. Ladies and gentlemen, Jilly is the author of, uh, the coming book, All Dressed Up, coming out by Random House or Bantam? Who is it? Uh, it's Bantam under the Random House banner. Fantastic. And she has just a terrific book out right now called Famous, which is sweeping, a sweeping romance, but happens to be funny. Now, how you do a sweeping romance that is funny, only Julie could uh, pull that off. It's a hysterical ride through social media. So, uh, Julie, uh, Julie and I met when Julie was at Harvard and, um, Julie, I wanted Julie to be the co-author because Julie actually was having college sex. And of course <laughs> I was not. So Julie was going to co-author this massive book we were going to write. So Julie and I went on the world's <laughs> greatest college sex tour jelly where did we start i mean i think we started in the kitchen of my extremely janky apartment in east cambridge <laughs> and then started hitting up various boston-based colleges uh before the tour proper that's right we went to tufts uh eastern and then i picked you up on a street corner in new york and david hershey at harper collins wished us well and we got off and we had a huge basket full of food in the back of the car. Remember? Oh yeah. You had so many hard boiled eggs. <laughs> there were, we there were like a couple dozen of them. We had hard boiled eggs. We had bottles of wine. We had, Oh, it, it was fizzy wine right at night. We, yeah, we had a ton of champagne or well, you know, Prosecco or whatever. I don't think we were drinking <laughs> champagne in the motel. And I don't think we stayed, and you know, I think fifty dollars a room was our like absolute limit, right? I think. We, yep. <laughs> the first hotel proved it. Yeah, we just we and and our first, and I picked you up in the corner, and Julie looked adorable. She had on this white dress with red trim, and she had like everything matched, and uh, you know, she just looked adorable. She had a little suitcase. I mean, she was the primest, most proper-looking young lady who, who, you know, she looked like a, uh, 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 well, uh, you know, the famous stories of um, uh, oh my God, who's my favorite author who just died? Oh, come on. Uh, she wrote Slouching Towards Bethlehem. <laughs> Slouching Towards Bethlehem. Slouching oh, Towards um, Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Not Joan Didion. Sorry. Yes. Uh, you look like Joan Didion yes. in New York. She always wore her little white linen dresses and she wore gloves and she arrived to write for Vogue. Well, there you were. You're Joan Didion on the street corner. I picked you up and we boomed <laughs> away in my Prius. And we went to uh, the University of West Virginia. 
Yes, we right, did. Jilly? <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, it well. And I, the thing that struck me about the university, I had never seen this before, is the young women all had makeup like birds of paradise, and they were very dressed in heels and very fitted dresses and bird of bed. And the guys look like they're in kindergarten, you know, polo shirts and <laughs> cutoffs. It was ridiculous. And we ran into Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> and she was, she's one of the most interesting people I've met before or since. Tell us a little bit about it. What, what do you think? What did Audrey look like, Julie? Do you remember? Um, she had a lot of beautiful brown hair and big, right. dark brown eyes. Uh, she was curvy, dressed well. She looked very put together. Um, even though she was definitely very drunk by the time we spoke to her <laughs> and only got <laughs> drunker, uh, she she was holding it together admirably, much more than I ever did in college. So, did she, yeah. was she homing, homecoming queen court? What was she? Was she actually that or did she, she was, just refer to herself? I, I, I mean, do we believe her? Yeah, let's say we believe her. I think she was on court. I think she okay. was on the court and I think she was in student government. And I know yes. that she wanted to be a senator's wife, that her ultimate goal was yes. not to be a senator herself, but to be married to a, a successful sen- senator. Yes. And she described herself as being very Martha Stewarty. Very right. Martha Stewarty. Martha Stewarty in the streets. Yeah. She's <laughs> streets just- in the sheets. So if anybody's ever been to the West Virginia, it's in Morgantown. It is the party school uh, at the time. When we went through, it was the party school. It was, had the number one reputation. So that's immediately where we went. And it's straight up and down. It's mountainous. It's straight up and down. So her her story begins is she she has her sorority formal. And she wants to ask this beau that she's, she has a crush on. And he's famous on campus for being quite hung, quite, quite hung. And yes. she goes to his fraternity house and delivers a little box. And inside the box is a thong tied in a bow. And inside the little thong tied in a bow is her correspondence asking him to come to the dance. And she leaves it. And then he texts her and says, oh, it's the greatest thing he's ever said. And can he pick her up? And he picks her up in his pickup. And they drive. She's just had a Brazilian, by the way. They drive to a construction site. And he's not saying yes or no. So to win him over, they do it in the front seat. Is it in the front seat, Jillian? It's the front seat, right? It was the front seat. <laughs> it's importantly the front seat. And she's going like, and she's, she says they're going away as bad because he's so hung. He's just so hung. And Julia and I are standing under a stoplight in Morgantown at the University of you know, West Virginia, hanging on every word. And then she says what, Julie? <laughs> Uh, that was the point, you know, he's getting close when his friend yeah. sat up from the back seat. <laughs> his friend sat up from the back seat and yeah. he wants, he wants his turn. So, uh, her, her formal date, her, po- uh, her prob- uh, possible formalness says, well, she's going to have to do him too if she, if, if she wants him to go to the farm. So she, she agrees, well, right? And actually, yeah, she and liked that's the thing. I feel like she wanted to. The yes. way that she told it, it was that she was trying to. Con- I mean, it was all very Machiavellian. It was, she had this this there. guy in the back seat. She knew that he had a plan. That the frat boys had a plan with this guy in the back seat. And she's like, "Well, if I do him too, I'll be able to demand formal dates out of this entire setup." It was. It, it was. <laughs> I don't exactly remember how she'd set this up in her head, but she had definitely convinced herself. No one was telling her she had to do this except for her. <laughs> she told right. herself, I have to do this to get the right formal date. Well, Which, I think you're right, Joey, because I don't think they ever said that. I think she said it right. You're right. I think yeah, she's I don't remember it having any sense that it felt, you know, creepy. No, if that makes sense, it's other than the guy being in the back seat. 
the whole time, which is definitely creepy. But, you know, beyond that point, once we get past the lurker in the back, well, the first lurker in the back seat. And then what happened? Um, and then what happened? You know, what happened? Eventually another guy pops up. There's, just, there's, <laughs> there's two guys that allegedly she has not seen at any point on this on this sex trip to a construction site. Uh, and uh, they're they're all in. They were all in. They were all in. They were all in. The, the, the thing that got me, she turns around, she recognizes, and she thinks, oh, my God, he's in two of my classes. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have to make sure this is good because I'm going to see him tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, here I have actually, I have written down a quote here so I could read it. And she says, oh, by the way, but at this point, uh, she's being, uh, 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 here, here, she just wrote, I'm in the back row seat, kind of on my knees, but are uh, kind of on my knees or on the council. The formal date that I want is getting me from behind, and I'm giving the two guys in front hand jobs. <laughs> that is a quote from the transcript, Joy. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> that, and and Joy says, what's your major? And she says, marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she builds a brand fast, right? And here's the thing. She loved it. She knew what she was doing. She was not being used by these. Did you get the impression she was being being used by these guys or she was having her time? I mean, I got the impression that she definitely thought she was having her time. There are a lot of bigger questions we can ask about how guys use women and all of that circa when we went on this trip. But that that is not the discussion we're having. Uh, and no. it, this, she was feeling very empowered by all of this. I can say that for sure. You know, she was feeling very empowered, but there I think partly because she had this secret identity. Because, like, a, according to her, none of this stuff about her sex life, no one knew. It was like Martha Stewart yeah. on the streets was all that anybody knew. She'd never told this story to her sorority sisters. You know, yeah. this was. Us being random yeah. reporters, and right? Telling her to drink our tequila, tell us your sex stories, loosed something yeah. inside of her. Yeah, we. It was a stunning moment. It was watching a. Um, it was watching the possibilities of enjoying life, and the. Uh, but here was the thing: she didn't get any pleasure herself, except the power she felt. She, uh, Joy and I just frankly asked her, did you have an orgasm? She said, no. Um, yeah, she was, Which doesn't surprise me when you think about like, I mean, that's a lot of, can you get an orgasm when you're doing tricep dips? I can't like, she's doing a <laughs> workout. <laughs> so she, she, she started our, uh, college tour. This is how our great college sex tour started to get information and interview um, as many students as possible about their sex lives so we could write our book. By this time, you're a co-author of the book and we're taking pictures and we're running tapes. And uh, uh, this was just uh, the, by the way, she went, they went to the formal and um, it was at a hotel (laughs) and they go down to look at the pool and they sneak out into the uh, into the uh, locker room area, and they do it in the shower there. <laughs> and then he leaves to go to a birthday party. Yeah, that's, you know, like, yeah, like you that, do. That is uh, so. Now, Jilly, uh, tell us about. Um, so we did. We went to Georgia. We went to Old Miss. We went to University of Alabama. We went to Duke. We went to what? Uh, what stands out in your mind? I mean, there were a few things that stood out in my mind. Let the, me hear. Well, the boys, especially the boys in Georgia and Ole Miss, um, were just very overtly racist in their sexual preferences and just randomly how they talked to me, um, which is not particularly surprising per se, but I was surprised that we had self-identified, we're taping you, we've got a waiver, we're going to print this. You gave us your pictures. You gave us your right. names. We're reporters. This is going right. into print. And there was there was no sense that what they were saying was beyond the pale. 
uh, which was for me eye opening because I uh, right. had spent my college years and I was at that point living in Boston, which is a city that has got plenty of problems with racism. But Whoa, uh, yeah. I'm not from the South. And so those problems are much more covert more of the time. So seeing that kind of attitude was very memorable for me on that Southern road trip because most of these colleges were in the South. And Tell me, just, uh, do you remember exactly what they would say? Uh, first of all, they used the N-word. They used the N-word. They would just Constantly. dismiss any any woman who was non-white. They said they didn't date them. Right, right, right. They, I mean, I don't remember specifically. I would have to read some of the transcripts from, right. from those interviews. But I, it was just so overt. I mean, using the N-word is pretty memorable. Right. <laughs> I mean, what was it, 2008? You know, it yeah. was... Yeah. It's yeah. not something I had encountered. Um, no, we had, which no, we I guess had, just shows that I was very sheltered. But and uh, and talking as if they're ordering pancakes—that's how they were talking. We, Julie, uh, Julie and I were stunned at the racism. Stunned at the racism. I was stunned at their women hatred. Uh, the boys were very cavalier talking about women, and the women. Did not remember talking to the uh, the pie pies where the Georgia where was it out in front of the house on the campus? I think it was Georgia. Yes, I think we went to a a fraternity house and a sorority house at Georgia. Yeah, Uh, and they were the two sexes were so disgusted with one another. Did you get that, or was I the only one? No, I got that. I just thought it was interesting because the other thing that was, I mean, this is also like a timestamp. It tells, you know, when you went on this trip, like right. the same year that what's it called? Um, oh yeah. Oh shoot. What's that Judd Apatow movie? No, I was thinking of that Judd Apatow movie with Emma Stone and uh, super bad, super bad came out that year. And if you rewatch that movie, the whole movie is like, I'm going to get this girl drunk enough that I can date rape her. That's the plot. And everyone's like, this movie's so oh. funny. I thought it was funny. Everybody thought it was so funny. It's just like, I it's not that hilarious. long ago. Right. And it's not that long ago that that movie came out and everyone sort of was like, yeah, that's uh, the boys will be boy. It was just this attitude. And it was interesting right. how many of the girls had just totally internalized it. Like Ash. Uh, yeah. What's her face? Uh, uh, Audrey. 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 Audrey at West Virginia. She kept calling herself a whore. Yeah. I remember or that. a slut. She's like, well, yeah. I'm just going to be a slut. I'm just going to be a whore. As yeah. opposed to yeah. saying I enjoy sex. <laughs> yeah. And there was, I think there was a real split, especially uh, evident back then. The whole consent culture had not been internalized. And these guys thought everything was their right. And girls kind of. Right. I mean, you do, it's, not, it's not surprising that back then you'd get that response on our survey where someone just endured the sex in perfect their orgasm to make it end rather than saying, please stop. <laughs> just saying, this yeah. is bad sex, please stop. <laughs> you think that's an option, but it, at the time, and if you were young, I can speak to this because I was that age. It, it didn't you, feel yeah. like an option. So No, it did. Jilly, if you could read, I'll send you some of these uh, responses. Um, I'm not sure if anything's changed today. I mean, in the press, it may have changed. But women still seem to be a little timid. I'm still getting uh, letters from college kids. Seem a little like uh, the main thing is he doesn't know where my clitoris is because women are afraid to tell tell them. Remember, yeah, yeah. And there's still a culture that you know, if if a man doesn't enjoy sex, it's your failure as a woman if he's not getting pleasure out of sex that's something that's wrong with you as opposed to perhaps not always getting pleasure out of sex is part of sex or maybe it's his fault and we or whatever uh, we you know i forget who um what school it was uh we we um joined a virgins group uh Mm -hmm. oh people who hold it waiting till marriage we we joined that group um yeah uh, we tried to uh, hit the entire spectrum. And what did you think of that group? Do you have any memories of that one? I mean, they were all very religious. I think that they were all affiliated yeah. with the Methodist I think group it was, on yeah. campus. And it was in right. it was in Mississippi. It wasn't Old Miss. It was another college in Mississippi. 
I don't remember which college, but, um, but I, like we asked them, you know, Oh, I think we said something about your friends who were gay and they were like, oh. <laughs> they, oh. they button right up. They're like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's not, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if it's not in the Bible. They, they, they were clearly yeah. uncomfortable trying to answer it. But then we were like, well, how, how liberal or conservative is your, your sect of, of Methodist thought? And they're like, conservative, all of them just flat. <laughs> we're yeah, conservative. Very conservative. <laughs> and I think at the same school, then we, uh, we uh, uh, hung out with the, with the, the gay students. They were so fascinating. Remember the woman who, who had that gorgeous suit on and they were so much more uh, open to uh, talking about things like consent and, um, you know, women having yeah. pleasure. And they were ahead they, of their time. Yeah, they were ahead of that. That was, and Morehouse, what did we think of Morehouse? I mean, Morehouse besides loving it. Yeah, well, Morehouse and Spellman were two of the like, higher caliber colleges that we went to. So we ended up yeah. speaking to much very articulate students because it takes right. a lot of brains to get into Morehouse and Spelman. Right. So it, we had great interviews there with articulate students because it's full of smart kids. <laughs> and yeah, that was, um, it's not that the people we were speaking to were, well, they, they were, hmm. They uh, did. Did you get the impression that uh, anybody we were talking to was loving sex? Anybody? Um, At all those I got the impression. Yeah, I mean, I got the impression that there were a lot of guys who were talking a big talk about sex and how great they were and how much they enjoyed it and all of that. I'm not sure if that's what they were actually experiencing. The thing that was tough about it too is you you don't other than Audrey, you don't often have a long interview with someone alone. So they're always around their other friends. So they're performing, you know, they're not really, they're telling you their stories, but they're also performing for their friends. And I don't think they would have told us if their sex was, was, they might tell one funny story, this one time that things went really wrong. Right. But they weren't going to say, I don't get much out of this, or it's not really, is this all that there is? Can it be better? They're not going to tell us that because then that makes them look, like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> did did uh did this improve your sex life, Julie? Good Julie, going on this trip. Oh, uh, that's an interesting question. I don't have an immediate answer for that. I mean, at that point, I was in a a what turned out to be a fairly long term relationship. Right, I remember. And I didn't. I was also very early on in that relationship, so my sex life right. didn't really need improving at that point. It was you know, things were going right. great. Um, I'd say over the years, this is one of many things that going into the relationship that I'm now in with, uh, my spouse that you seeing all of this stuff, seeing other people talk about these things and, uh, articulate stuff that maybe you don't admit to yourself so readily, especially when you're very young, makes it a lot easier to, to say, God, it should be better than that. And I should be able to say what I want more easily than that. And, you know, why am I waiting for him to, to orgasm when right. I could be right. instead? Right. Um, so I would say my sex life now is infinitely better than it was then. Oh, I th- see but, that gives everyone hope because we went back to, we ended, we went back, we changed, we came off of this. I, I must've been 4,000 miles by that time. We came back from this 4,000 mile trip and went to Harper Collins. Remember the meeting at Harper Collins? I do. When we came back, yeah, I, was, with, I was massively intimidated. <laughs> uh, we had with the editors and the vice president and everything, and we were all gung ho to write this book. And here's what happened at the end of our great college sex tour. I found myself unable to write about it. I could not write about it. I could. I could not write about. It. After doing the huge surveying on uh on on facebook you know the biggest sex survey ever done with college and after this in depth uh trip that we took and the transcription of all of our interviews and the photographs and the data and remember duke duke alone just Mm -hmm. talking to those people it was and i couldn't write about it and Julie and I were talking yesterday, and it occurred to me only on Monday 
only this Monday, only day after yesterday, when my show, uh, I was going to be talking to Heather Havaleski, you know, she's asked Polly, and that show fell out because I forgot to schedule her. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I said, well, let's do the college sex tour. Only then did I realize why I couldn't write about it. And that, of course, was what happened in the Bergdorf's dressing room in 1996. I had been unable to write about sex since, particularly about this. And um, that killed the book deal. I mean, even though you were going to, you kept saying, E. Jean, let's write this. E. Jean, come on. Then we got, let's do that. Remember, Joy? I mean, I was, I was very eager at, at 22 or 23. <laughs> I was very oh. eager to do anything, write anything. Oh, man. So that, that didn't happen. And I've only now, how much we hide from ourselves, how much is dark in our own, in our own history and our, and our own reasoning. After doing all that work, I couldn't do it. Uh, Joey, we have a, a questions coming in. Do you mind taking a question? Because I know you're an expert in this one area. Sure. I mean, you're an expert in a lot of areas. This comes, uh, this just came in from Diana. It says, I'm subscribed to your subsec. Thank you, Diane. But was not sure. Okay, so here goes. My daughter was dating a guy she met online. I'm coming to you, Julie, because you've written about a book about this. My daughter yeah. was dating a guy online she met who turned out was a liar, cheater, swindler. She's a single mom living in L.A. Oh, and thought she might met her soulmate within a month of dating my daughter and professing his forever love. For her and planning her future, he was also dating other women at the same time and telling them Oof. different lies about who he is. And he was playing different parts like he was in a movie. He's an actor, by the way, and a very good actor. Uh, and about a month ago, a friend of my daughter saw his profile on a dating site, snaps screenshots and sent them to her, my daughter. She confronted him, and shimmied, he shimmied around the issue saying it was a fake profile, but it was identical to the one he promised he had deleted. My daughter was confused. <laughs> Other things started to add up, and she decided to break up with him. Around the same time, she learned about other women he was stringing along that he had met on TikTok and Instagram and other dating sites. He did borrow money from my daughter, small at first, Ooh. yeah, here it comes, and then bigger amounts, and it was always a sudden need. He even said he would need more money this month of May. One woman sent her screenshots of the love conversations they had with this guy, all the while he was with my daughter. That's when my daughter decided to collect more info to expose him using her influencer platform. She collected receipts and timelines from the other women, contacted her business folks and lawyers before putting together a video to tell her story and hopefully warn other women. Before the video was even out, she posted an Instagram story telling a bit about this guy and was contacted by at least... Wow, two other women, one who was so traumatized, she had to have a friend relay the messages. Since the video came out last week, she's been contacted by even more women, about five. Can you believe it? Ooh. Some of those stories scare us since they involve physical harassment. And that has left her wondering if she needs protection. The response to her video has been positive, but my big worry is that my daughter does not ever want to date again. Here's her problem. She didn't, she's worried her daughter will ever want to date. She's 31. I know it's soon, and exposing him has empowered her, but I worry about uh, her long-lasting trust issues. She's an independent person who does not need to rush into a relationship, which I love, but she feels completely embarrassed and feels foolish. Maybe time is our best friend, but I wonder if you have any advice to impart. And then she signs it, proud but worried mom. There I mean, we go. I would be proud and worried as well. It's good for her, her daughter. For If someone shows you who they are, listen to them. You know, they right. tell you who they are, right. listen to them. If she got rid of the guy when she figured it out, good for her. That takes guts. Um, going and helping other women to avoid this guy, that also takes guts. 
uh, it's super hard to trust yourself when someone takes advantage of you that way. Um, I guess, so really manipulative people, they know how to spot folks and, you know, you just have to hope that the next guy that your daughter does date isn't like this, obviously. Um, you also have to hope that maybe she goes on a few dates that, you know, they aren't that exciting or the guy doesn't work out, not because he's some horrible swindler, but because he picks his teeth when he eats and it disgusts her or just, you know, they don't have good sex or he has a tiny dick or whatever. Um, (laughs) but I would say, I think she said something about after a month, he was professing his love. That is a huge red flag. Uh, that is the kind of thing that manipulative, abusive people do all the time that they, they, they love bomb you. They make it so that you just can't feel anything but butterflies all the time. And then you start overlooking stuff like asking for money right away. Right. Um, so I guess I'd say to your daughter, a take some time. This is really recent. She, any breakup is hard. Feeling betrayed is harder. She needs some time sleep around, go on stupid dates, go on Tinder, watch, watch dumb TV, get it out of her system. Um, but be set up, you know, look at this relationship and see what maybe some of the warning signs were so that she knows what to look for. Cause then she'll feel more empowered going into the next relationship. If she knows, yeah, this thing is, this feels off early on in the relationship. When people do this, that that's, a weird sign. Not everybody acts that way. Love bombing you, taking right. your money, you know, telling you that you're going to be in it forever. And it's only been a month. That's really aggressive. If you're in your thirties, especially, you know, right. Um, he, and, and she, the power, uh, the daughter behaved in a very powerful way. She made a video. She contacted the other woman. The, uh, the daughter is a champion. She's just a champion. Yeah. We don't, we really, there's not much to worry about this daughter. This daughter has handled it. Uh, making the video is great. Um, you yeah, know, she's not going to be a victim. No, this, no, listen, I don't want the mom to worry about this daughter. The mom has raised this daughter, right? The mom has raised the daughter. is going to stand and say, hell no, no, no. This guy, this guy's a bad egg. This guy, watch out women. Um, this is a very attractive way for a woman to be. I would, I would not. I would give a word in the daughter's ear if the man contacts your daughter to call the police. Yeah, get That's a restraining it. order if you have. I to. don't want. Yeah, I would if he if he call if in any way he has to threaten her, you know, or they won't do anything. If he threatens no, her, I know. then he, she she can uh, call the police, and she can uh, if he ever tries to contact her, she can reply. Do not ever contact me again or I'm calling the police. That's it. Um, and the more videos she makes, the better. This guy is, this guy is a rat. He's a danger. He's sucking on the, he's like, he's like a suckfish, uh, taking money from women. He's a bad guy. Uh, and I'm going to watch the video and find out his name. Um, and you can blast uh, him. Yeah, this is not good. Um, <laughs> time will help i mean that's like yeah your daughter's that, obviously got the smart head yeah. on her shoulders she she once he was smelling rotten she smelled him out and she got rid yeah, of him that's exactly so it i'm uh, once she's over the initial hurt of that she'll be okay um that is very good advice jilly it's been great recalling with you our great college uh sex road trip time. <laughs> <laughs> Great hearing your voice again. We were going to hear from the fabulous Kenneth Shaw, who built the uh, biggest college sex survey in history. Kenneth Shaw, Kenneth, um, or as I refer to him, Mr. President, uh, has come down with a very, very bad case of COVID. And he is isolating. And I, uh, we all wish Kenneth to get, uh, to get better. And, uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. You know, I screwed up at the top of the show and that we even have a Jilly here is amazing, Jilly, because you saw I opened up the wrong room. But here we are. And uh, um, I loved having you on. Well, I love being here. Thank you so much for having me. And now I'm going to just start thanking everybody left and right. Uh, this will be on Apple, 
and Spotify tomorrow. And before I play the greatest theme song since Ravel's Bolero, I want you to remember what George Carlin said. Conservatives are not pro-life. They are anti-woman. The ASCII G music uh, is played by Los Caterpillars, Greg Tallenfeld, and Melanie Rock. The incidentals are by Little Red Church. The show art is by the Rembrandt of his generation, Silent James. Hey, Jilly, by the way, Silent James is the one who did the art for the food book for the, uh, remember that? Yeah, the I do. Food book. Yeah. Um, uh, Asky Jean is produced by, are you kidding me? Uh, the dog is played by Guffington Von Fluke. The cat is played by Vagina T. Fireball. Email us at egene at egene.com, e.gene, e.gene at com. Send me a juicy email, which I may play on the show, at 845-682-0881. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Give us five stars, for God's sakes. And remember what I always say, darlings. Fate loves the fearless. Call her on the phone Call her on the phone When you're all alone Just ask Eugene Call her on the phone Don't sit there all alone If you need to pick up bone Booby, ask Eugene Ask Good old Auntie E will fix your shit. Come on the phone. Come on the phone. When you're all alone, Eugene will fix your shit.